there is a really good pocket guide to Unitarian Universalism called The Chosen Faith. Actually, I think it's probably on that back table there if you want to look for it, if someone hasn't already taken it first. In it, the authors make a really helpful distinction between religion about and religion of as a way of describing why it is that many of us may have uh, fallen away from the spiritual and religious commitments that we grew up with. The religion about is the creeds, the dogmas, the cultural accretions that build up over years and kind of hide the heart of the spiritual tradition itself from us. I, I'm, I mean, honestly, I grew up Jewish, and really all I got growing up Jewish is a shame is it was the religion about. I actually had to become a Unitarian Universalist to discover the religion of Judaism. Uh, this is why a number of my Christian friends have let go of the designation of Christian and now call themselves Jesus followers because that's the religion of. They want to have a spirituality and a faith like Jesus, but have found within Christianity too often hypocrisy or bigotry or hatred of people based on gender or sexual orientation, gender expression, all that kind of stuff. And so this is a helpful distinction, I think, between the religion about and the religion of. Truth is, however, Unitarian Universalists are not immune from falling into the religion about rather than practicing the religion or the spirituality of. Case in point would be this. If you have ever been in a traditional or at least uh, uh, longer standing Unitarian Universalist congregation than Wellsprings, and you might get in and see something called Famous You Use, a poster. Seriously, this is famous you use, and, and really it's a bunch of old dead white people, mostly men. Um, and, and like, who is going to um, go fanboy or fangirl over, oh my God, oh my God, William Howard Taft, the 27th president, was a Unitarian. Where do I sign up? Posters like that, they're, they're, they're kind of marketing to ourselves, which, by the way, is no way to market. They're not way to share faith. They're religion about, not the religion of. And, and by the way, some of the people we list on, on those posters were wrong, were false. Like Walt Whitman, perhaps the greatest spiritual progressive poet of the American tradition, or one of the greatest, gave us our mission here at Wellspring, speaks to the heart of this faith, and yet found the Unitarian Universalists of his time so much in their own heads and so snobby and so elitist that he was not a Unitarian Universalist. I'm going to tell this story in this way. I think it happened. I know he wrote it. We're going to pretend that it happened, even if it's apocryphal, because it really gets to the heart of who Walt Whitman was. That, and I like to tell, think that he's telling this story to Emerson, you know, his friend who was a Unitarian. But Emerson, so lost in his head, so disconnected from his own heart, that we're going to imagine that Walt Whitman said, he did write these words, pointing and sniffing his own armpit. The scent of this is as fragrant, as beautiful as the perfume of any flowers. That was Walt Whitman. <laughs> An earthy guy, not lost in his own head. And not a Unitarian Universalist. So who was a Unitarian Universalist? Well, these two people were. Really, yes. Dana and Christopher Reeve. And I'm not telling you this to say, well, actually, some people might go a little fanboy or fangirl over Christopher Reeve because, you know, he was Superman. Um, 
but really to point us away towards that kind of religion of thing. And so I want to tell you a story from their lives. And it was at the moments of terrible, profound realization that after Christopher Reeve was thrown from that horse and he recognized his life had changed radically and he would be a quadriplegic. And in the story that they tell about their lives, it reads like this. Through her tears, Dana said, I will support whatever you want to do, because he was thinking that maybe his life was over and he would end his life. I will support you whatever you want to do, because this is your life and your decision. But I want you to know that I'll be with you for the long haul, no matter what. You are still you, and I love you. And then Christopher Reeve responded. Dana's response to me made living seem possible again because I felt the depth of her love and commitment. My job now would be to learn how to cope with this, not be a burden. I would have to find new ways of being productive and living again. And indeed, if you know anything about Christopher Reeves' life and Dana Reeves' life, they're both dead now. They found ways to live again. That's the religion of Unitarian Universalism, and especially what was exchanged between the two of them. They renewed their covenant. They renewed their promises, their vows. This renewal series, this renew series, is all about recognizing what stands really at the heart of our lives right now that we would seek to give new life to again. And I think that one of the most powerful tools to be able to do this in our relationships with ourselves, in our work life, wherever our value may lay in our lives, is to recognize that what makes for renewal is understanding the promises that we live within, to recognize the vows that we live within, to recognize the deep intentions that are at the heart of ourselves so that we can re-enter life refreshed, renewed, and able to face exactly what is happening to us and with us. So last week in this series, I talked about taking a break as a necessary part of renewal. To borrow words from the poet that I quoted from, recognizing that it is fuel and the absence of fuel. That it is the logs and the space between the logs that leads to fire, that leads to light and heat and warmth and renewal. And after we take a break, right, hopefully we step back into life. We resume who we are. We get a breath and we're able to recommit ourselves to our lives. There is nothing that helps us do that more than knowing the promises that we live in. This is a covenantal tradition, this Unitarian Universalist tradition. Uh, I can give you just one short example of what that covenant sounds like, why we are not tradition bound together by a single dogma, a single creed that everyone must believe. And this goes back to the 1560s, over 400 years ago, a guy named Francis David, and some of you may have heard this before, he said, we do not need to think alike to love alike. I mean, like, how powerful would that be in this country right now? Like, we're still getting, after 400 years, trying to recognize the wisdom of that promise. We need not think alike to love alike. That's covenantal. And of course, if your life is anything at all like mine, to live in our promises, to live in our vows, to live in our deepest, most core intentions is to recognize, at least for me, I fail at them all the time. 
was the line that bizarrely from this is, you know, it's not bizarre that he wrote it, it's bizarre its application. Samuel Beckett, the absurdist playwright. Now this is kind of a corporate slogan. Ever tried, ever failed. Try again, fail again, fail better. I love that. That's kind of what it is to live in a promise-making, promise-holding, promise-sharing life. Is that I don't know anyone who ever fulfills their promises completely. And that's why the power of renewal is so necessary. And of course, of course for many of us, I've noted in my own life too, sometimes the vows and promises that we make at one season of our life, for one reason or another, sometimes because of absolute necessity, They need to end. And when they do, it is still so heartbreaking. So especially for those vows, for those promises, for those intentions that we hold close to our hearts, they need regular renewal and reminding. I don't think there's any deep promise any of us has ever made that has stayed the same exactly over time. But like tracing paper, build up one picture on top of another on top of another, we can see the roots of where those promises came from and renew them and rewrite them from time to time so that they remain fresh in our hearts. This is a covenant. And so I'd ask you right now, what are your most important vows? To yourself? To your spouse? To your partner? To your children? To your parents? For your work? Where are your most important vows? Just maybe close your eyes for a second. Think on that. Where are your most, where are my most important vows? We dig and scratch at the surface meaning of our lives and we see the places where there is connection where there is love we'll find there some promises so i want to read you something right now that uh, my wife gave me permission to i want to read you my vows from our wedding now here's the interesting thing this is the original sheet of paper that my vows were written on This past summer, I was visiting with one of my best friends. He was in my wedding party, and he handed this back to me. I guess I must have given it to him on the day of my wedding. Somewhere in some computer, three computers ago, I have this. And it's probably stored in the cloud online, wherever I, you know, update my my stuff so I don't lose it. But this is the original piece of paper. August 5th? August 5th, 2006. (laughs) So she's heard this already again this week. I'm going to share this with all of you. Teresa, in one of our first conversations, I mentioned the band The Replacements, the concert I saw when I was 15 and how it changed my life. But what I experienced that night wasn't so much transformation as confirmation. They sang what I already felt. The signature tune that night was their song Unsatisfied and well past my adolescence. That was kind of an anthem for me. I guess I always thought that the amount of longing in my heart for what wasn't there was more valuable than treasuring what I already possessed. In these past two and a half years, our love has taught me how to cherish what I have. And especially in the past year, I've never felt more at home in my life. 
Teresa, I love your beauty and I love your intelligence. I love that you are my most honest critic and friend. I love that because you are my most honest critic, even as I wrote these words, I kept editing out all the subordinate clauses and verbiage so that I met your best journalistic practices. True, folks. I love that you let me do all the cooking. I love that even as we live rich lives apart from each other, there's no place or need to hide from one another. As I've told you for a while now, I love you more this day than I did yesterday, and I can't wait to keep telling you that from here on out for the rest of our lives. And there's just one more thing. I know it's kind of dangerous territory for a man to talk about his mother and his wife for fear of conflating the two. But Teresa... You know, there's a hole in my heart since my mom died. But what I've realized is that all my mom ever wanted for me was to learn to fill myself up in the right ways and with truly life-giving things. The blessing that my mom casts over my life is fulfilled in our being together. I love you for making her dream for me come true. So that sounds like me. Ten years ago? Yeah, those vows hold up. And, and let me tell you something else, though. After a decade of marriage, a really good decade that's had its challenges and its things we've learned and we've grown from and all kinds of this stuff that we now know about each other that we didn't way back then, my vows feel in need of updating. Again, I don't want to reject what happened before. It's just the first level of the tracing paper that I want to draw on top of and renew. I want to live out stronger promises. Because the truth is, life is always giving us, right? Life is always giving us new information. Life is always throwing new situations, new scenarios, unpredictable things at us that, you know, we've got to keep updating the systems. And by the systems, I mean the heart. <laughs> If we want to be renewed in our promises, we renew our covenants so that our covenants can renew our lives. This can take many different forms. It can be covenants we keep on a daily basis. There's a, um, a teacher, a writer, a scholar named Richard Davidson. He's wonderful. He teaches at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And he's like one of these guys who studies the neurology of spiritual experience. Like he's had more audiences with the Dalai Lama than any other Westerner. And he is a busy guy. He is on television all the time. He's on radio all the time. He's writing. He's researching. So his regular day includes, he says, like 10 straight hours of appointments talking to people. That's outside of his life in the lab. And what he does at the start of every day is he'll take out his phone, he'll take out his calendar, and he will go through each of the names on that list coming up that day and ask the question, how can I be of benefit to them? How can I be helpful to them today? That's a covenant. That's making a promise to stay in touch with our values. And we also need it not just on the daily basis, but for the long haul. You show the next slide. Woman on my right. Anyway, over there, with her name is Mushim Patricia Aikida, a mindfulness teacher in the Buddhist tradition. And that over there is her friend. 
Ibrahim Farajaje, who was a scholar and a practitioner of Sufi Islam and a Unitarian Universalist. They were friends. They often taught together at Star King Seminary, our UU Seminary in the Bay Area near San Francisco. And Mushim Patricia Akeda wrote a beautiful post after Ibrahim Farajaje had died at a very young age, 63. She wrote about her friend and how troubled and how heartbroken she was by his death because he took on so much, a scholar and an activist and a dedicated teacher. I know so many Unitarian Universalist colleagues who owe their ministry to this man. And in his honor and recognizing that she herself was taking on too much, Mushim Patricia Akeda made a vow. I vow not to burn out. I vow not to burn out. Maybe that makes sense to many of you. And I'll read her words right now that she teaches to all of her students, activists, mindfulness teachers, people who are seeking to transform their lives and the lives of other people around them and the systems we live in. These are her words. Aware of suffering and injustice, I, fill in the name, am working to create a more just, peaceful, and sustainable world. I promise for the benefit of all to practice self-care, mindfulness, healing, and joy. I vow not to burn out. I vow not to burn out. That's a lesson I have had to learn. I've had to find ways and promises of keeping that real in my life. I vow not to burn out. Truth is to burn on rather than to burn out. To keep our light shining brightly. means choices. It means renewing our covenants and our promises so that we either, on the one hand, don't burn out or just kind of fade away, losing contact with our own hearts. You see around the room here some of these words that many of you filled out a number of weeks ago. And if you haven't done this yet, don't say you're new today. It's an opportunity to still do it. These are renewal notices. Renewal intentions that many of you filled out three, four weeks ago. I encourage you to go back today, whether you can remember your own or maybe you want to pick out someone else's and say, hey, yeah, this feels like a good renewal notice for me today. Scratch the surface of any real renewal notice and you will find a covenant there. A covenant that perhaps is waiting for you to re-covenant. And so I want to offer us a way of doing that, whether this is about your marriage or your work or yourself or being a parent or being a child. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to offer an opportunity for us to do a soul bite. It's one of our small groups in which we get together. We have a little nosh and we share some time together. And that is going to be an invitation for us to share where we are recovenanted where we have rewritten our vows. If you sign up, you sign up in the next couple weeks, I will send you some ways that you can go about rewriting your vows, whatever your vows are. So that's just an invitation. If you can't make it to the soul bite and you'd still like to rewrite vows in your life, please let me know and I will send you the methods for doing it. And maybe you don't need any guidance from me. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go home today. I'm going to start rewriting my vows because I want to help renew my life because the truth is we renew our covenants so that our covenants renew our lives sometimes even to the very edge 
the far edge of this existence and beyond our lives. And so I want to share with you one more famous, justifiably famous Unitarian Universalist today who tells us again, not about the religion about, but the spirituality of. Remember him? Randy Pausch. Remember the last lecture? Remember that amazing story that went viral and became a book? Randy Pausch, who was then about my age. I think he died at 47. Full professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Found out he had pancreatic cancer and was dead within a couple years. And what Carnegie Mellon allows their professors when they're retiring, or in this case dying prematurely to do, is to deliver a last lecture. And again, if you haven't seen this in years, or maybe you're hearing about it for the first time, go and renew, (laughs) become familiar, or become familiar again with Randy Pausch's last lecture. It is all about staying connected to our dreams, our aspirations for who we wish to become. And I love what's in there. Honestly, some of it's a little cliched, but I just love the whole energy around it. But let me tell you about my two favorite moments. They're at the end. This focus is all on him. There's like 500 people in this packed-in conference hall, and this is before people would know that Randy Pausch in the last lecture would become this huge phenomenon with millions of people seeing this lecture online. The day before his final lecture, it was his wife, his wife, Jay, their birthday. And because all the focus was on him, and I got to tell you, I've met a lot of folks over the years who have had a dying spouse. And the spouse who is not dying, very often a lot, very often a lot of their needs get rejected, or at least not seen. And so towards the end of his last lecture, Randy invited Jay up, and he brought out a cake. And he had 500 people sing happy birthday to her. And it was beautiful and very sad and unbelievably sweet. And the tears from so many people flowed. And then there was one final thing. Throughout the last lecture, Randy Pausch talked about the value of a head fake. Like in basketball, you know, you go this way and you go that way and you go around and you can get to the basket and score. And he said, actually, this whole thing today has been a head fake. This video, this last lecture is not for you. It is for my children. Because the truth is, Randy Pausch didn't break his covenant, his promise to his children to be there, to watch them grow up, dance at their weddings. You know, all that beautiful stuff that parents who love their kids want to be there for their children, to provide guidance and love and nurturance. He didn't break that promise, but the truth is the promise was going to be unfulfilled because he wasn't going to be around much longer. And it turns out he was not around much longer. And still, if we live in connection with our covenants and our promises and we hold them close to our hearts, We will find our lives are more creative, more abundant, more adaptable, and more loving than we ever could have thought. And so Randy Pausch had this elaborate head fake to say, kids, this is my gift to you. I'm not going to be around in the way that I planned, but you can always view this and know that I love you. The promises that we make 
make us more creative, more adaptive, more open, more loving. Today, may you rest in the full measure and beauty of the promises that you live in. Allow those promises to remake and renew your life again. Amen. May you live in blessing. Can you pray with me? Divine that welcomes us here into this time, this season, this moment in our lives. Invites us to live more fully, more richly, more abundantly. Invites us to know the words, the symbols, the stories upon which our hearts hang and upon which our hearts live. May today, right now in this moment, we accept it as an invitation. Know our promises. Be aware of our promises. Recognize which promises need renewal so that our lives might be renewed. May we rest in these promises that give us life so that we all of us can return again to the original blessing of this life, the belongingness and the belovedness that is who we are. Amen.